0: Boy, it's good to be here with you. I, some of you are visiting from out of town. You're here from Texas probably, getting the last kind of uh, summertime, you know, enjoy the fall weather in the mountains. And uh, so you might have noticed, and it's also, this is just kind of a reminder to me and all of our church, that we are one diverse group of people. Have you guys noticed that? We are not cookie cutter Christians is this church. Occasionally somebody comes along they try to make us into cookie cutters, but they usually don't stay around very long. And uh, we're thankful that we have so much diversity here. We've got, we've got black people, white people, we've got Native Americans and Mexicans and Asian people, and I'm going to leave somebody out and hurt somebody's feelings, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, we've got, we got uh, some, what's that? Rednecks. That's right. I think you got rednecks. Yeah, I forgot. And uh, we got a few. We, we have a few people in our church who don't have tattoos, and they're, they're welcome here too. And we got a bunch of people with tattoos. We got people who are old. We got people who are young. A bunch of people in between. Uh, we've got people with all kinds of different backgrounds of churches we went to, and uh, that we didn't go to. And we all come together here. We got Democrats. Thank God for Democrats. We got Republicans. Thank God for Republicans. We we got nothings. You know. Thank God for nothings. You know. Who who just say I don't. I don't. Just forget the whole thing. And and so we've got a church of total diversity because of this. And this is the message of Gateway Church Christ. This is what we want to communicate is it all of us gather right here. Every one of us messed up. Every one of us different. Every one of us bring what we have here. Amen? Amen. All right. So I just want to start there this morning. I don't know. It's just on my heart. So I'm thankful for you guys. I love you guys. I missed you guys last week. Uh, we had a great time with my parents celebrating their 50th. It was very special. My parents, my brother, sister, my nephews and nieces, Amy and the kids, and it was great. But I got I to tell you, one of the things I was thinking on this trip, I was thinking, I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of moms and dads here, and I don't mean to offend my mom and dad, but because I love them, special. But I, I got a bunch of moms and dads right here, and a bunch. of You've been married fifty years, and I'm proud of you just as much as I am my parents. And and uh, so I just want you to know, this is this is our family, and we're so glad to to get to come back and be here. I'm thankful for what Matt did last week. If you didn't get to hear Matt, wow, you missed it, man. And uh, I knew he was going to bring the word, and he did. And if you haven't heard it, you know, go to the, the website. And you can listen to it on our website, or you can grab a CD uh, or get one from the office. You'll be blessed to hear Matt Clark. We'll build on that a little bit today. We are in this series called Encountering Jesus. It's, a, it's from the book of Luke, and it's a series about people who met Jesus. And when people met Jesus, the impact he had in their life, what it did to them, how it changed them. And we pray that as we, as we study, as we come together, as you read on your own at home, hopefully you're, you're one of the people who raised your hand, and you got one of these blue cards, and you're taking it home, and you're reading the scripture at home. That's one of our goals at Gateway, is we want our church family to be people who go home and read the Bible. And then come back and we can talk about it. But we don't want to just come here and read the Bible. We we believe there's power in God's word and we want you to be reading at home. And and so as we look at that we're praying that God will impact our heart and our life as he did the people that we're studying about. And then we're also asking God this. God We are the body of Christ here on earth in 2013. As we walk through those doors and into this week, would you help us encounter people the way that you encounter people? Would you empower us to do that, God? That's the goal. That's the hope of this time that we're spending in the book of Luke. And you can turn there if you want. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 5 and 6 this week. And while you're turning there, I I guess I want to remind you of an experience that all of us have had when you you've felt numb before Right? Maybe you've been to the dentist and they, you know, they put some stuff, you know, in your mouth and then you're like, "Hello, honey, I just got back from the dentist," you know, or whatever. So you got you got numbing in your mouth, or, or you've you've crossed your legs while you're sitting down too long, or set, you know, Indian style. That maybe not the right politically correct word. I shouldn't have said it that way. But crisscross applesauce, you know, whatever with your legs, and then they, they fell asleep. One of your one of your legs fell asleep, you know, and you got up and you tried to walk, and you're like, "Whoa, wow, I'm, my my legs are, uh, you know, numb." And, and I, I had this experience when I was in, you know, whenever I went on my first date, I might have been, I don't know, 26 or something like that. I can't remember for sure, but that was a joke. Come on, you know, come on. You think I really didn't go on a date until I was 26? You guys didn't even laugh. I can't believe it. Oh, that's sad. Okay, so sometime when I was in, in you know, maybe mid-school or high school or something like that, I went out on a date, took, took a girl to the movies, and we're sitting in the movies, and, uh, you know, did, just did the old, you know, you guys, most of you guys have done it when you were younger, and, you know, I just kind of got my arm over there around that girl. And, man, I mean, I, I kind of put my hand on her shoulder, you know, and I was like, whoof, you know, pitter-patter in my heart a little bit. And that was right at the beginning of the movie. And, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, hey, this is pretty good. I'm just, I'm going to keep this right here, man. I love having my arm around this girl. You know, I'm just going to keep my arm right here. And about 90 minutes later, you know, or maybe a, a hundred minutes later or something, when that movie was over and we stood up to leave, you know, I was like, oh, okay, hey, yeah, no. I always walk like this, you know. It's cool. We're having a good time. And, and I, you know, I think I'm glad I wasn't next to like a campfire. You ever been next to a campfire and like the, you know, the sparks pop out, you know, or whatever, the, the wood pops and you know, that stuff falls on you, and you're like, you know, get that off, that'll burn. And man, I mean, I was like, if, if, if during that moment, or those few moments after that movie, if I'd been next to a campfire, and that campfire popped on my arm, I'd have just been, I wouldn't even know. And I'd just been like, hey, yeah, it's cool, what's going on? You know, sizzling flesh over here. You know, I wouldn't even know. Because I was numb. And all of us, all of us, have experienced physical numbness in our life. We're going to look at the leper Today in Luke 5. And leprosy is similar to that. Uh, there, was, there was a time when people thought that it was a disease that rotted away your flesh, not, not really true. Doctors, doctors know now that actually it's a disease that, that the ends of your, your fingers and your nose and your ears and your toes and the extremities and then moving more toward the center of the body as, as it gets more progressive that your body becomes numb. And, and it's not actually that your body's riding re- away, it's that, it's that you happen to put your hand on a stove where the fire's burning and you don't notice, you're just talking, you know, and your finger's on fire. And then, oh, wow. And, and then mutilation begins to happen to people's bodies. They don't know. They get a sore, they get you know some little spot, they get cut and they don't, they don't even know it. And, and it infects and, and parts of their body begin to deteriorate. I doubt that anybody here has ever experienced leprosy, that you've gone to the doctor and they said, man, I've got bad news for you, you're a leper. I doubt that's happened to anybody in this room because it's a rare disease these days. But I could almost say without a doubt that almost everybody here has had similar experiences in our life where you were numb, where you were doing harmful things, harmful things to yourself. And you didn't even notice anymore how it was hurting you. It just became a way of life. Some of you were, you just got tired. You got tired of whatever. And you just got numb. You just kind of checked out. And you just believe a lie. And the lie is, I, I, I can't try anymore. That's all I can try. I'm done. And and I mean, I, I understand that that could be a truth about us in our flesh, but because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, it's a lie. It's a lie. you You don't have to stop. you don't you don't have to quit trying. We have power. We have power beyond uh, just normal, natural resources. Some of you in relationships that you're in, You're just numb. You just don't feel much anymore. And there may be some hurtful things happening in that relationship, but on some level, you just don't care. You just don't care. Or you don't know, and it's okay. So, we're going to pray, and with those thoughts in mind, we're going to pray and we're going to read this text about a man who had leprosy. Let's, Let's ask God to bless us. Lord, thank you for this morning. I just I thank you for the diversity in in our time together today. I thank you, God, for for every single person that's here. I'm I'm grateful, God. I, I love these people. And I know you love us. And that's where that just flows over into our lives. God, I pray that you would I pray you'd help us this week as we as we think toward next Sunday night having a community communion service. I just, I pray, God, that you would help us to invite our neighbors, invite our friends, invite people to come to the table next Sunday night. God help us to, especially those of us who may be numb, those of us who may be struggling to to find a way today to step through that. Help, Help heal us, God. We need healing. Our hearts our spirits, our minds, our bodies. We need healing. And we come to you with all the faith that we can find inside of ourselves and we say we believe you are the great healer. And so today, even as we read your word, we pray you would heal us. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from Luke chapter 5. And if you'll open your Bibles, if you've got one, you can can read along or you can listen to me and and, uh, hear God's word from Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Some versions say that he was in an advanced stage of leprosy, that his entire body has been taken over by leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell, his face to the ground, and begging him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And then, in my opinion, some of the greatest words in the entire Bible, from the lips of God I am willing that's what God says today I am willing be clean and immediately the leprosy left the man and then Jesus ordered him don't tell anyone but go show yourself to the priest and the other sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I have a pretty simple lesson today. Just three things that I want us to see about Jesus in this passage. And and then a couple of responses at the end. But three things that I want you to think about here about, about Christ. And here's the first one. It's simply this. Number one, Jesus can. Everybody say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus can. There's so many who can't. And, and that's, that's the way I feel a lot of times. I can't. I can't go, I can't go on maybe in this situation, Ilar, I can't. I can't face this temptation anymore. I can't fight it anymore. I can't, I can't stand this person <laughs> another day. Maybe you've got a coworker that you work with and you feel like that. Maybe you just are like, I, I, I've got a person I work with that you, you would say that. And, you would, and I see this sometimes on Facebook, I guess is what I'm thinking of. Sometimes I see Facebook things that are people kind of ranting about people they work with. And, and it sounds like they're saying, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Maybe maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you have a teenager. You just think, I just can't. Maybe it's your grandkids, and you're like, oh, I just, I can't do this again. I think all of us have felt that way. I can't. I can't. But I want you to understand, don't, don't, you, don't you know that this leper felt like, I can't? Don't you know that he felt like I I don't have anything else to do. I'm done. I'm at the end of all my ideas, all my tries, all my working on this. I'm just done. And what did he do? He brought all of his can't, and he brought it over here to Jesus. And he knelt down, and he laid it at his feet. And he said, you can You can, Jesus. And boy, was he right. Because Jesus did. Jesus did. He healed the man immediately. Jesus can not only heal people physically, but Jesus also can heal people in other ways, in the whole person, in all that we are. If you look a little bit further in Matthew chapter 5, in verses 23 and 24... This is where there's a paralytic and these friends carry him and tear a hole in the roof and they lower him down through the roof. And and Jesus says to him in verse 20, when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And you know what? The people that were there, the Pharisees, they were furious. They said, that's blasphemy. Only God can forgive somebody. You can't forgive somebody of their sins. And Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And he wanted to let them know exactly who he was, God. And so, he said to them in verse 22, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? He asked them the question, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk to a lame person? And and the obvious answer is it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, because there's no really kind of quote-unquote proof of that. It's just something you say. So Jesus is saying, oh yeah, you think that's easier? Okay, to prove, then he goes on, he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Basically saying that you may know that I'm God. He tells the man, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Jesus can. Whatever it is that you can't, And especially if you've never brought your sin to him. I want to tell you, he can. You can't, but he can. And that's what we need to do. We need to bring all of our can'ts and lay them down at his feet. That's number one. The second thing is this, in this story about this leper, is not only Jesus can, but also, number two, Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. He said, if you are willing. If you are willing. And he had a good reason to say that because he was a leper. And he knew there's a lot of people who wouldn't be willing. And you have people in your own life who are not willing. You are trying You are working. You are stretching across. You are doing everything you can to follow what the Scripture says. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You're doing everything you can to do that. And some people are just not willing. But I want you to know this. Jesus is willing. Every single time. Jesus is willing. And why would he be willing? Why would he be willing to reach out to a, a leper? Well, because that's why he came to this earth. A little bit later in chapter 5, in verse 29, uh, in verse 27, he, he says uh, that he, he called a tax collector. Why would he call a tax collector? I don't think we can completely really get a hold of how disgusting This must have been to the people when he called Levi and then he changed his name to Matthew. How disgusting this must have been to them. And then when Luke wrote it down and gave it to people to say, Yeah, he called a tax collector. How disgusting, how horrible, how wrong. No, you must have written that down wrong, Luke. It couldn't have been a tax collector. I don't think we can completely get our mind around how awful it was that he chose a tax collector. And he said these words to him Follow me. He didn't, he didn't come to him and tell him, Get your life in order, get straightened up, change everything, and once you're all, then you can come. Nope. He just said, Follow me. Start right this second. Right this second. Take your foot and take a step. Well, what step? Well, whatever step Jesus tells you to take a step and follow me, whatever that step is. Then Levi, I'm in verse 29, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors, more disgusting, awful, horrible people, and others were eating with them. Some versions say sinners. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why would you want to be with them, Jesus? Well, I want to tell you the reason is because Jesus is willing. That's the reason. Jesus is willing. Say that with me on the count of three. I won't let anybody fall asleep. We're not no, no nap. This is a no nap Sunday. Okay, you ready? So here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is willing. Jesus is. Jesus can. Jesus is willing. And the third thing is this: Jesus is greater. He's greater than whatever rules you live in. He's greater than whatever cultural rules you live in. He's greater than whatever ideas you have about who he is, quite honestly. He's greater than all that. He's greater than your ideas. Jesus is greater than the rules. Because we're going to talk about in just a moment, when we get to response here, we're going to talk about that really the rule was he really shouldn't touch this guy. That was the rule, but he's greater than those rules. By the way, it's a rule he wrote. We'll get to it in a second. Just give you a little wet your appetite. Jesus did this all the time. You look in chapter six and you look at verse eight. Uh, chapter six, and actually you go back a little bit to chapter uh, chapter six verse six. On another Sabbath, he went to the synagogue and he was teaching. There's a man there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the tax uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so, Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. See, this is one of the rules. The Lord said, honor the Sabbath, make the Sabbath day holy. And so then they had put a bunch of rules around that, dozens of rules they had made up. And they were good ideas, but they had become more than good ideas. They had become their rules, and they, began the, they had become the way they see God. And they had been the ways they drew lines. Who's in and who's out? And Jesus, in verse 8, he knew that they were thinking this. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. He says, I don't want to do this in the secret. I don't want to go off to the corner somewhere and heal this guy. In other words, does he want to heal the guy? Yeah. Does he care about the guy? Yes. But he wants to make sure all the Pharisees in the room know, Hey, come on up front. Come here. Stand right here, right in front, so everybody gets to hear about their rules that they've made. Here we go. And he got up and he stood there, and Jesus said to them, and he goes to the heart of the Sabbath, okay? He says, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And they're like, oh, well, come on. They didn't say this, but I'm sure they're thinking everybody knows that, but we want to talk about the specific rules. Can you spit and make mud? Can you look in the mirror in case you might pluck a gray hair? And about dozens of others. I I didn't write any of them down here, but there's tons of them. You can look them up for yourself. All these rules the Pharisees had made. You could only walk a certain distance on that day because if you walked farther than that, you were working. But many of them would pack a lunch and set it at that spot where they were going to walk and then they'd go there and the lunch would be packed and then they'd be like, well, I didn't really work because the lunch was here and they'd walk another distance. It was all legalistic death. And he looked around at them and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. And were they glad? No. It says they were furious. You ever been around a religious person who was furious? I've been around some religious people that their face was red and they were shaking because some rules were being broke. And they begin to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Jesus is Jesus can. Jesus is willing. And here's the third one. Everybody say with me on the count of three. Jesus is greater. One, two, three. Jesus is greater. That's right. I want you to imagine, as we think about a response here and we finish up today, I want you to imagine that you're in, you're, you're in Jesus' inner circle. Like you're there. You're there that day when the the leper's coming. And you're actually with him. And you see the guy. And he's walking your way. And Jesus says, hey, hey, come here. You know, I know what's about to happen. That guy over there, and you go, the one that's yelling unclean, unclean, yeah, that one. The one that's dressed in rags and his body's falling apart, yeah, that guy. He's about to come over here, and he's going to ask me to heal him. What do you think I ought to do? What do you think I ought to do? You're like, wow, well, I, I mean, I think that's a good idea. As a matter of fact, he's getting closer to Jesus. Why don't you do that now? I mean, why don't you do that right this second? Pow, zap him and get him clean over there before he gets any closer to us because we don't want this leprosy. And Jesus says, well, actually, you know what I was thinking? I was, I was thinking maybe that when he gets over here right beside me that I would actually reach my hand down and touch his uncleanness. If I'm in Jesus' inner circle and he's asking for a little input from me, I got at least two reasons that I want to tell him, don't do that, Jesus. That's a big mistake. Do not touch that leper. The first one is because I know my Bible. And Leviticus 13 says, you are not supposed to touch this guy. So don't touch him. You're going to break the rules. He's not clean. I got to tell you, some Christians... Maybe even some of us never are around people who are unclean. Many Christians, we get a buffer around ourselves, and we just are only around people that are just like us. It's too uncomfortable. I mean, it's too raw. It's too difficult. I don't don't know what I'm going to say. And besides, we've got some scriptures that we can look up and we can say, look, I, the Bible says do not associate with certain people. And, and we say, those people over there that you're talking about that aren't clean, John, that's what the Bible's talking about. So I have a biblical reason not to go be with those people. And i got to tell you that we are wrong about that. Because when you have a doctrine from the New Testament and you've got a scripture And you say, this is the doctrine, and this is the way it's supposed to work. And it doesn't line up with the life of Jesus Christ, Then your doctrine is wrong. I want to tell him, don't touch him, because he's not clean. And we want to keep our lives free from being messy. And the second reason I want to tell him, don't touch that guy is because you're going to get hurt, Jesus. And I don't want you to get hurt. You're going to get sick. Experience and time have proven that we're going to catch what he has and we'll die. We'll die. You'll die if you reach out. Don't do it. And I have to ask all of us this question today. Who will you not touch anymore because you know you'll get hurt? You've reached out in the past. But you know, experience and time tell you you'll get hurt. And so no more, never again. Who are you avoiding? Because time and experience have proven that you'll die. Maybe physically, but more likely probably, you'll die like it'll hurt you so bad. You'll feel like I died. So I don't even want to get close to that person. Because it'll kill me. Who are you avoiding? Who will you not touch? I want to tell you something today. God is bigger than what you know. And God is bigger than what has been proven by time and experience. And if you die, if you take a risk and you die, that's what Jesus invited you to do. That's what Christianity is at the very essence of it. Pick up your cross and follow me. When you're 15 years old, pick up your cross and follow me at school, and it's going to feel like you're dying when you do the right thing and everybody makes fun of you. When you're in your 20s, pick up your cross and follow me, even in the things that seem like they don't make sense. When you're in your 30s, and you're, you're trying to make money, and you're raising kids, pick up your cross and follow me. When you're in your 40s, and 50s, and 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and 90s, and 100s, I think I covered everybody. When you're no matter how old, pick up your cross. Don't settle into the easy chair and say, I've done some of that in the past. I've risked a little bit. I've tried some stuff. I mean, I did. I, touch, I, I got hurt a little bit, and I, was, I, got, I, I stepped out in faith and did some things that were kind of dumb or risky, but now I'm done with that. Really? Well, that's not Christianity. Because Christianity is based on faith, and it reaches to places that are risky. That's what it does. That's what Christianity is, the very essence at the heart of being a Christian. And just as we finish, I want you to imagine that he actually is in your inner circle. What if he was in your life today? What if he was here with you today, and he was going to walk through your week with you? And he says to you, look, I'm willing. I want to ask you a question. Are you willing when you walk through these doors for the next seven days 24 hours a day are you willing and if if you're not god loves you and i'm not here to beat you up i'm just here to challenge you and encourage you ask god god would you please change my heart i don't want to do any of that that john said today i don't want to do what we read about jesus in the bible would you please change my heart god pray that prayer this week that's a great place to start I don't want to go through my life, and I think most of you don't either, being safe, taking care of myself, never risking and never knowing what might have happened if I would have. What would God have done? Who would have been healed? What would have been redeemed if only I had been willing, if I wouldn't have been scared, if I wouldn't have been afraid, if I wouldn't have been so... Turned internally. If I wouldn't have been so comfortable, what would have happened? And you lay at the end of your life, on the last day of your life, and you go, I don't know, because I never did risk. I didn't try. I quit trying. I quit risking. I don't know. One touch changed everything in this man's life. And one touch from you, one touch could be enough to begin to change everything, to begin to clean up whatever mess it is, I talked a couple, two or three weeks ago about marriages, and I talked about being in bed and we go to sleep angry and the sun goes down, not on a night, but on a season, and we lay in bed and it's cold and we turn our backs to each other. And one touch, one, maybe just one reach over and pat on the shoulder, one humble, I'm sorry. One humble, please forgive me. One humble, I want to keep trying, could heal everything. It could be the difference. It could change a whole marriage. It could take away the leprosy in a marriage. It could be the start of an entire family coming back to God. It could be the catalyst to stop the cancer or the leprosy of gossip and hatred at your workplace. To be the one who's willing to reach out and risk. To reach across and do something in faith to reach out and touch the mess, the unclean mess, and some of you might be thinking, that's a good sermon, John, that was great, man, that's really inspiring, I wish I could do that, I wish I could risk a little more like Jesus and reach out and touch people like some of the great women and men in the Bible and some of the great women and men that I know in my life, but I got to tell you, I'm just a little too weak or I'm, I'm kind of afraid and that's not my personality and... I don't really have that much time or energy. And you've got a bunch of excuses right now in your head. You have many. You're like, well, John, you don't even know my situation, so you can't even talk to me. Okay. You have lots of excuses. And I just want you to see that in chapter 5, verse 16, what did Jesus have to do in order to risk and touch and challenge and be the gate? Like Matt talked about last week, the transition between heaven and earth. What did Jesus have to do so. He could be ready to do that when that leper came up right beside him and fell at his feet. Look at verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That may be all that some of you needed to hear this week. When was the last time you just got by yourself and prayed? In a lonely, quiet place. This mission card not just for gateway people, it's maybe God brought you here today, any visitor, anybody. And it says right here, your mission should you choose to accept it is this, think of someone who has made you angry or hurt your feelings and pray for them by name every night this week. Whoa. That, that is a big step of faith for some people. Even bigger, a leap of faith. On the last day, write them a note telling them one thing you appreciate about them. I don't know which person on our committee wrote this, but I want to thank them. This is a great challenge. I'm going to try to do this this week. (laughs) Somebody, some of you, one of you, some of you—I don't know. I try to write encouragement cards. One of you is going to be like, "John wrote me an encouragement card. I guess I must have really hurt his feelings," you know. (laughs) Not necessarily. Some of you might just say, "I wish my faith could be more like those apostles." You know, those disciples that were around Jesus. I mean, they were great men and they were great women of faith. I know great men and women of faith. I wish I could, but I'm just too afraid, or I'm set in my ways, or I'm I'm not as important as those apostles and disciples. And I want you to look at how, as we finish, the last word, chapter five, verse five. Peter and the apostles have been out all night. They've been fishing. They're done. They've taken the nets in and they've cleaned the nets. I've never cleaned any nets before. I don't know if any of you have. I doubt it, but maybe you have. Somebody has. And I bet it's kind of tedious. I bet it's hard work. I bet it's not easy. And I bet it takes time. And now he says, I want to go back, and I want you to throw it back out there. And Peter's thinking, I think he's thinking this because of what he says. I think he's thinking, man, you're a preacher, not a fisherman. Why don't you stick with preaching, and I'll stick with the fishing, okay? Because you don't know what you're talking about. We tried that before. We were desperate one time, and we did that, but it didn't work. That doesn't make any sense to do that. And this is what he says in chapter 5, verse 5. Jesus had told him, put out in the deep water and let down the nests for a catch, in verse 4. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. And then he said a word that's three letters long that may be one of the most important words in all of our faith. But. Some of you need to get your butts in gear this week. How about that? I I didn't say that. I meant B-U-T. You need to get that butt and say it with Peter. But, because you say so, Lord, I will let down the nets. Some of you need to say that to Jesus this week. There's somebody that's not clean. There's some person who has hurt you. There's some touch that you could reach out. There's something that you can do that you don't want to do. You just don't want to. And this week you need to say, but Lord, because you said so, I will. He is a mighty God. He can. He's willing. And He's greater than whatever rules you live inside of. You can either stand and praise Him right now, or there'll be people here to pray with you. If you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, come and do that today. We'll baptize you into Christ. What a great joy that would be. Come as we stand and as we sing. You are the sunshine and I am a candle. You are the mountain and I am a hill. You are the ocean and I am a river, winding and swirling and never quite still, winding and swirling and never quite still. You are the canyon and I am a crevice, you are the heavens and I am a star, you are the thunder and I am a whisper, quietly longing to be where you are. Quietly longing to be where you are. You are a mighty mighty God. God. Your deeds are so awesome. Mighty God. God.